Welcome to the Johnny Hot Socks Show, hosted by Johnny Hot Socks, a podcast exploring the success stories of inspirational and influential people across industries. Now, here's your host, Johnny Hot Socks. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. So today's guest we have is Anthony Petrellis. A little background about Anthony. He's an elementary school teacher, former head coach of the AC football team, 2014 Educator of the Year, Milken recipient, director of the Summer Fun Program, and now is starting his own podcast. Anthony, 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 so pumped to have you on the podcast. Very first episode. All oh, right, I'm number one. I'm the first. Number one, first baby. Ever. Oh, my God. This is, this, is, this is the big deal. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I kind of explained a little bit of background about you, but let's, let's go into it. Like, how did you first get into teaching? Um, I mean, when I was younger, you know, I, I knew probably like at the high school level that I definitely wanted to get into teaching. And I knew, I knew I wanted to be elementary. I knew, you know, middle school and high school would, you know, I just, to me, weren't of an interest. I, I really wanted to work with younger kids. And, you know, I had my struggles in, in elementary school and I just, I knew the teachers that were great for me. And, and I just kind of felt that that was a passion that I really wanted to pursue when I went to college. And, and, and that's how I got into, I went to LaSalle college. I think, I think it's a university now. So I'm actually a graduate of a now university. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I pursued elementary education and, and yeah, I've been doing that since it was, uh, it was quite a journey through college and, but it was, um, it's what I love and it's my passion. All right. So you told me before, but you failed the test 11 times short of a yeah, so now dozen. That, now that millions of your viewers will know that I'm an absolute moron. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> I failed every test three or four times. Even my driving <laughs> test, uh, Sammy had to pay the guy because I used the backup camera. He had to pay me. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> you're like you're like Vinny Chase in, in Entourage when he pays off the guy for the Gatsby tickets there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, um, I, yeah, you know, I, yeah, straight up. I mean, I, I failed the test 11 times. So the hard thing about that is, is that most colleges nowadays, when you go to school for education, in order to do your student teaching, which you typically do your second semester of your of your senior year, you have to have passed your teacher's test in order to, to, to do that. So when I was a junior, they actually had just passed that. So I kind of paced myself with my test, not really knowing that the type of pressure that would have been on me to, to pass the teacher's test Jeez. before my second semester senior year. And I struggled with, with one of the tests in particular. And, you know, I, I, it was a newer test. So there really wasn't a lot of material out on it at the time. And eventually, yeah, it just kept failing and failing, but the grade kept going up and, um, yeah, after, after, you know, 10 times, I went into my 11th time. And I, and I actually said this to my dad that if I, you know, that if I had not passed that, you know, I was going to look into a different career. So as a result, I ended up passing, I had gotten a teaching job, uh, but I was under like a preliminary license and I had to pass the test within a year. And I, and I luckily did, and was able to maintain my job. But um, yeah, it, it was, it was crazy. You know I mean? <laughs> I feel like a dummy, but it, no, it, it no, no. taught me a lot, taught me about perseverance and it taught me about pursuing things that, you know, you're passionate about and not really giving up on things. And, you know, it must've been a sign from someone to, you know, for me to kind of be at that point of, if I don't pass this, that's it. And I passed it. A little so, good luck charm from the sky. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right. So to teach you, teach them, uh, what's it? Mad Madeline McGlynn. 
How do you say the actual full name? What it's is it, like Sean J. McGlynn, dude. This Madeline, McGlynn. I think, is the Andrews, I, I think. I oh, okay, know. I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah. So you've been teaching there for a long time. And then 2014 hit. Big, big year. Huge year. <laughs> no, I don't honestly. This award is like, I want you to explain the award because, I mean, I don't know the full extent of it. I just yeah, know. Yeah, I like, mean, I don't really either. No. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, so, yeah, I don't really like talking about Come this. on, come on. So, this is huge. <laughs> So yeah, so basically, long story short, um, I won a national teaching award. It's called the uh, Milk and Educator Award, and I've never heard of it up until that day. And um, it's given to 40, 40 teachers a year across the country, um, and they basically have this like huge surprise pep rally at your school, and and you don't know what's happening. So like we were told <laughs> that the Commissioner of Education was coming in. And that's it. So, you know, a day before my principal had come up to me. Now, my principal knew what was going on. She knew that I was winning this award. She knew that this pep rally is for me. And I had no clue. So she gives me this tasks of like making signs and hanging them up and we were having it in the gym. And like, if anyone who knows me, I'm not the most like artistic, like I'm not the one making signs, like get someone who's way better than me at that. So I had my class, you know, I'm a fifth grade teacher. So like 10 and 11 year old girls are making it so much better than me. I'm like, yeah, girls. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. And we're going to hang things up. And like the day of the event, I went and checked the gymnasium to make sure that everything was fine in there for what we set up and signs had fallen down. Like, you know, our walls probably haven't been cleaned. And like at that point, 14 15 years so like duct tape like things that like keep metal together signs can't stick and they're like falling all over the place so you know i go to my principal and i'm in a panic like what do we do nothing sticking to the wall and little did i know like i'm setting up for my own pep rally and and uh so they had this big pep rally and then they just they told why they were there and um yeah they announced my name in front of everybody's ultra embarrassing and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, but I, what was great with it is it came with a uh, $25,000 cash uh, prize, I guess you could call it. Not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just casual 25K in the bank account, you know? Well, I, I actually, I, I honestly thought before this, I was like, all right, around 10K. 25 a little bit a little bit better 25k wow. you know you gotta be careful with paying taxes and stuff so yeah, you know, yeah, automatically yeah. You pay your taxes everybody aside and um but yeah it was wow. i'll tell you man it was when i think back on it there's so many things that i don't remember about it and luckily it was videotaped and and i do every year once a year watch the video because i think it kind of re-energizes me yeah and motivates me and, and more so coming up this year than ever with everything that's going on. And, um, but it's something I, I, I do hold valuable to myself and to my life. And, you know, I always look back at that moment and think what it took failing the test that many times, having trouble getting a job and, you know, working really hard, like right out the gate, you know, when I got a job finally and was, and was working in a school that, you know, I, I felt like I had a lot to prove and, it felt nice that I worked really hard and I don't talk about it a lot. And I don't, you know, go tell everybody what I do all the time. And I kind of just let my work speak for itself. So yeah. it, it, it is a rewarding thing. I don't really like talking about it, but, um, I mean, that's you know, but it's something I'm very proud of and that it means a lot to me because, you know, at the end of the day, I know how much work I put into what yeah. I do. And uh, it, it just, it was nice. So back on the teaching. So I know since the, uh, what do you call it? The COVID, since everything has happened in March. Yeah. I think you know, every business has like been, you know, crazy, 
but teaching to me, I mean, that's obviously the hardest because it's like, it's like, uh, how do we adapt? I mean, kids don't have Zoom altogether. I mean, it's, it's a whole different game plan, lesson plan. So I guess since that happened, how did, how did you adapt? How, how did, I mean, how did that go? Um, I mean, it was hard. Like, I'm sure like any teacher, right? Yeah. You're not, I wasn't ultra prepared for being an online teacher <laughs> every day, right? So um, luckily, you know, we had Google Classroom set up in, in our classroom to begin with. So that was a huge help as far as um, getting information out to kids, communicating with parents, um, and being able to have a platform that everybody can work off of. So that was a huge help. We were really lucky that as a fifth grade, you know, we got Google accounts for all the kids early on for that reason, typing papers, being able to have access at home to type something and send it directly to us so we could print it out. Because, you know, when I first started teaching, they, like, oh, you know, my printer wasn't working. I couldn't print it out. Like, I couldn't give you my paper. And like, the kids might, might be telling the truth or just didn't do it and just blaming the printer, right? So now with Google Classroom, it's like, well, you don't have to print it. You can just send it to me. So that that was a huge help. Um, but, you know, it was fun. I mean, it was, it was a different way of teaching. I learned a lot. I didn't really stress about it because I felt like everybody else was in the same boat as me. And I just had to work through the situation that we were in. I did a lot of home visits of dropping packets off to kids or dropping off, you know, if they needed kids didn't have paper, go get them a notebook. Kids didn't have coloring things, get them like, you know, and a lot of it's stuff that I might've had or just kind of went out and purchased. And, you know, I think that's, that's part of our job. Like our job is to adapt on the fly, like wow. any other job. And you just can't sit there and be like, well, I can't do this. And I can't do that because they don't have this and they don't have that. It's like, make it happen. So Gee, I didn't um, know. Wow, no, that's awesome. I mean, I don't know how many teachers would actually go out of their way to drop off stuff. And yeah, I mean, saying, I should get reimbursed for like gas money. Yeah. Or something <laughs> like that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's not kidding. Uh, um, <laughs> sort of. No, I'm just kidding. He's, he's being serious. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. So, the, so, um, well, you know what? We might as well go into it. So I actually had a funny story. This you just made me think about this. So senior okay. year in high school, and I, I want to ask you too. I remember like in my math class, yeah, I was like, I was almost like failing math. I was like on the D, it's always like a D, D minus range. And Jessica Medeiros was in my class. This girl was a straight A. So you call, you call a girl out right now in and, a good way or a bad way? No, in a good way. She was a straight okay, A student. Okay. And the teacher- I don't want to have a hit list on us here. No, All nothing right, bad. Go. Mrs. Wilson was a very nice teacher. Um, I just wasn't a good student at all. And so we had this massive test that came up. And I literally sat next to Jessica, copied, I mean, you really can't copy word for word, but literally ours look exactly the same. And I'm like, Jess, I'm copying you. She knew. And so uh, I think it was like later. Did she leave her paper open for you to copy easily or was it work? Like you had to wait for the teacher to kind of turn and like one of those like lips and looks, you know? (laughs) And Jess didn't like really realize that I was copying off her. Maybe she thought I'd copy a couple problems. Oh, not a big deal. Like you'll get a passing grade. Hers yeah. is a straight hundred every time she did. And so the funniest thing was I copy word for word and like, you know, and then Mrs. Wilson, when the class ended, she goes, John, can you come here for a second? I said, yeah. Hey, what's up? Um, it just seems that you and Jessica have the exact same uh, answers to everything. Oh, uh, hmm. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. I, I studied really hard for this. John, like, seriously, come on. Like Jess is an A student, A plus student. Like you're in the D range. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. So, like, it was just so awkward. She gave me a zero for the test. And then I ended up doing like, extra credit. Obviously, I, I passed high school, thank God. But that was – do you have any funny stories like that? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, listen, like, you know, I deal with like 10 and 11 year olds. So sometimes like, <laughs> I, I think for, for me, it's, it's one of those things that I catch them kind of doing something in a situation like that. I, I've had plenty of, and I would tell the kid, okay, do me a favor. And I get a piece of paper and say, solve this problem for me, right? <laughs> same problem right now. It's and usually two things happen. Again, you're dealing with younger kids, right? right. They start instant waterworks or oh, like, okay, you got me. You know, and and that's how it usually goes. Once in a while, you'll have that kid who still can't do the problem, but still says that they did it and they, they didn't copy off anything. And, you know, you just chalk it up as age. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> stuff like that happens all the time. But, then, you know, give me an adult that didn't do something like that when they were younger, you know, in some sort of fashion. Still it's, do it. Everyone did it, you know. Um, all right. So teaching's going good. And, you know, we didn't even talk about the uh, summer fun program. I mean, that's how I really kind of got to know you more. Wow, I don't even know what year I started in that. That was yeah. So Anthony is the director of the summer fun program, which I don't know what's happening this summer. Yeah, how, I mean, I guess what is even happening? So you know, we didn't have it. I think we met. We oh, it's August. It. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, we just like anything we else. Nobody, you know, the numbers and the science, and there's so many different theories out there, and we just didn't feel like putting kids in a position like that at that point. You know, it's it's hard. It's like school right now, right? You, parents have to work and, and kids need a place to go and parents need those types of services. But, you know, in the same token, um, people like myself, we do these things and, you know, I, I work these summer camps and I work vacation camps and I work teaching and, you know, with teachers get their summers off and vacations off, I'm working a lot doing camps and being able to provide that service for families to have, but also get to know kids. And a lot of times I get kids from my class who end up doing that stuff. So I get to know them more than just, math science social studies ela like i get to see them being active and running around and socializing with their friends and playing board games with them and just talking to them and i feel like that's what's kind of separated my teaching so much in is that i really try to get to know my kids but when it comes to camp you provide a service right and so not yeah. being able to provide that was tough and i felt bad but we just felt like we were doing what was best for everybody it's a tricky time i mean this whole yeah. thing it's just tricky because it's like, obviously, you want to help the parents out by like, hey, let's do the camp. But then there's like so much caution. Obviously, with kids, a little bit harder. Hey, you have to wear the mask. You have to do this. You have to do that. And so, I mean, I don't think they're all going to follow the rules. So then there could be an incident. Like, it just a lot of things. Yeah. But um, I know it's the yeah, first too many, too many factors. You know, and, and when in doubt, be safe, right? Because yeah. I think no matter what, I'm sure there were families that were upset that we couldn't provide that service. And, you know, I feel really bad. And I understand where they're coming from. I just... um you know, everybody at, at that time, you're talking May, June. I mean, you turn on the TV, there's something different every day about COVID and, you know, how you can get it and how you can not get it and what it affects and what it doesn't affect and long-term damage. Not, it's like, you don't know what to believe. I don't something. know. Just so, they'll be safe. When and they'll be safe. Wear a mask, wear goggles. Just right. wear. wear a suit of armor and, <laughs> and, and, and you'll be okay. <laughs> That's the funniest thing. So, um, yeah, talk about AC football. So uh, let's go back, back a little bit. You went to yeah. AC High, and that's sort of where you started playing football. And then sort of like what – tell me, what, what's the rest of the yeah, story? You know, I was like the Al Bundy of, of high school football. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so I, I went there at high school, and then when I graduated college, believe it or not, it was actually my first job. So um, they needed, a, at the time, a head coach of the freshman team. And I had a really good relationship with my head coach. I, I still do today. And, you know, he had kind of come to me uh, when I graduated college and had a graduation party. I invited him. And, you know, he had talked to me a little bit about coming in and coaching and, you know, need a freshman coach. And um, I was really interested, you know, at that 
that time, like I was still trying to pass my teacher's test. I graduated college without my teaching degree as a result of that. So yeah, it was kind of like my first job out of college. And, and I felt that coaching could help me with teaching and teaching could help me with coaching and mentality wise and planning and thought process. And uh, so I coached the freshman team there and I eventually worked my way up you know, to JV and then I was defensive coordinator for about eight years and then was the head coach for the last couple of years. Um, oh. And yeah, so, you know, a great coaching story. And, and, and I tell the story to a lot of people that start coaching. And um, when people ask you like what your motivation was or what your motivation is to keep you going when you're coaching. So when I started coaching, a lot of the same guys that were coaching coached me when I was there. So I think when I was first on the scene, <laughs> I was still looked at as like the, you know, 15 through 18 year old kid and yeah. not the 22 year old young man that just got, you know, graduated college. And so um, it's our first scrimmage. And, you know, I worked with the varsity kids the first week as freshmen typically come week two, they come a week after. So, you know, I'm, I'm a young coach out the gate, like oh, I played high school football. I know everything. <laughs> ah, right. And, and so, and so you, you go in there and, and um, you think, you know, so much to you, right. And you know, nothing, you know, nothing except the position you played and what you were supposed to do. So that was a huge learning experience. So our first scrimmage, you know, they typically would always scrimmage Malden High School. And, you know, I'm 23 and I'm like getting oh. pumped for the scrimmage. Like I'm playing, like, you know, like <laughs> I'm playing. Yeah. And, and so we get there and the defensive coordinator, I'm not going to say the person's name because I yeah. love them dearly. Um, you're like, Anthony, come here. You know, I, I, I need you to help with something. I'm like, yeah. You know, like, let's go, let's go get me. Yeah, in. like I'll do whatever you need me to do. You want me to run a drill? You want, you know? And he's like, Hey, my my two kids are my two little guys over here. They're like five and two, let's say, or six and three. I don't know how old they were, but they were young. He's like, Do you mind watching them for me for like 20, 25 <laughs> minutes? Over here? Dude, and I almost lost my mind. You know, I I went home that night being like, If this is what they think of me, like I can't grow here. Like I, you know, I, I want to learn and I want to grow, but I don't want to be treated like a baby. And that kind of motivated me after that to, and, and I joke with this coach all the time about it, but it fired me up. You know, it made me say, okay, like I want to be taken serious and I need to do my homework and I need to grind and get better and better. And I did, I kept moving up and within my fourth year, I took over as defensive coordinator. So, um, you know, a lot of that is, you know, coaches went elsewhere. We, I was blessed to be on a really good staff with uh, coaches that coach at the college level now. And, and um, I learned a lot from them. I just, you know, I'm the type of person that just, if I don't know the answer to something, I'm going to ask you and, and, and learn it. So I don't have to ever ask you again, you know? So yeah. um, I, I was really lucky to move up. And then, you know, my first year as a defensive coordinator, we won, you know, we won the state championship. Not man. a big seed. You know? And I'll tell you, man, we were defensively, we were so bad at the beginning of the year. And I thought <laughs> yeah. it was going to fire like game before, but um, we just, it started clicking three, four, they started understanding it and we became very good, very quickly. And um, yeah, th that's my coach's story. And I eventually became head coach over the last two seasons. You know, I stepped down, unfortunately, with a little bit of a health issue and then yeah. COVID broke loose. So um, COVID. Yeah, you know, I just, yes. I, I'm a dad of twins now. and, and, and Let's and, talk know, about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I have a niece, everybody, uh, Ellie, she's about uh, April as well. So a year, a year and some change. Yeah. 
having yeah. two at the same time that's another ball game yeah it is uh it is like juggling dynamite sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no it is i'll tell you i love being a dad and i it's changed my perspective on so much and like i watch more little kids moana and yeah and, and um frozen and, good movie good underrated movie yeah, you know, and I'm just like singing the songs and humming. I'm like, geez, how Shark soft do, am I do, becoming, do, you know? Do, 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 do. Um, but it, it it is the best thing in the world. I love being a dad, and and um, it's something that I I feel like I'm meant to do. You know, yeah. I, I love working with kids and my entire life, and now having my own is just it's so important to me. It's so it's important. To me. I just think the funniest thing is I can only imagine like when we put Ellie down. That's one, one and done. She wakes yeah. up okay a little bit. But yours, if one wakes up or one's sleeping, it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, so no. like last night, like uh, two nights ago, my wife yeah. was working. So shout out to Jenna. Yeah, shout out to Jenna. Um, <laughs> and and so when she's working at night, she doesn't get home until like eight thirty. Typically, the kids' bedtime is seven thirty. So bedtime with twins by yourself is insane. It's insane. <laughs> and so like you have to like. I lay one down on like the bean bag and they have their bottle. And then I have the other one started like a minute before that. And my son typically drinks much faster than my daughter does. So I'm able to grab him, burp him first and get him down in his crib. And by the time I come back, Ruby's my daughter's just finishing her bottle or close to being done. Um, so I did that. I put Anthony in his crib and then like five minutes later, he starts hysterically oh. crying. And at that point I'm on Ruby. So I'm like feeding Ruby, taking care of her, burp her. And then as we get up to go bring her to her crib, she vomits all over me. He's crying in the other room. And I was just sitting there. I was like, I'm outnumbered. Like, I, what do I do? I smell like vomit. She's covered in vomit. I'm trying to clean her. He's hysterically crying. But Dude, it's the best thing in the world. Yeah. Like it's no, the best it's, thing in the world. I love it. Like it's like when when Ellie was first born, you're like, all right, cool. Like you know, she's born. Hey, Mike. You know, Holly. Congrats. But then as they grow, it's so crazy. Like yeah. she looks like baby Mike. <laughs> it's like yeah, you know, and stop <laughs> crawling and walking and babbling and like understanding and interacting with you. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, this pandemic has been very scary. and There's a lot of negative things that's happened out there. But selfishly, one of the, the best things that's More happened time. to me is that I've got to be home with my kids for six months. And to watch them from like a little over a year to getting close to being two years old and being a part of that development and seeing them in the morning and seeing them and taking them for walks and playing. Like time that I wouldn't have this summer because I'd be working summer camp. Like, yeah. I'm very grateful for that. I know I'm never, ever going to get that back. And I'm always going to remember this like couple of months I've had to actually be home and not working literally since the first summer, since I figured it out, since I was 14 years old, that <laughs> I haven't worked. And I feel like, I, yeah, you know, I feel like a kid, like I'm up late. I'm like, yeah, I don't have to wake up. You know, I wake up with yeah. the kids, but like, it's just a different wake up and it's a different feeling. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember seeing the funniest video is when you and Jenna were playing Hungry Hungry Hippo with the kids. Yeah, yeah. Dude, you got to be creative, right? Like you're in that your was house. awesome. Especially when the pandemic, it's the middle of March, so it's still cold, right? Yeah. You can't just bring the kids outside. And our house is, you know, it's pretty small for the most part. So, yeah, you just got to have fun and be creative. So we played Hungry Hungry Hippos. It was that awesome. Was, I, I was laughing so hard. 
Yeah, yeah. Anthony was crushing it. <laughs> Killing it. I mean, gee whiz, man. I, you know, I wasn't expecting the dominance. I mean, Ruby wasn't grabbing anything. Anthony was grabbing everything. <laughs> the faces he was making were terrible. Uh, he's, yeah, he is so funny, man. That's awesome. So I'm going to get into it, Anthony. This, these yeah. are the hot seat questions. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, All right. boy. Nothing too crazy. So hot or cold showers? Hot showers, man. Hot showers. And what's the last song you listened to? Uh, dude, actually, uh, this morning when I was like doing a little bit of a workout, I was listening to Drake Energy. Let's go, a little Drake shout yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And this one's a you know a heated topic. Are you a fan of Nickelback? Um, you know, not really. I mean, I <laughs> dig some of their songs, but like, I was never like, oh, dude, we put on Nickelback. You know, like, no, what was never really there. Never really there. Little backstory on this. I was at a barbecue, very small, very very small. Yeah, it's barbecue. so random. Why? Why? Okay. Go so, ahead. so I was at. I was actually with uh, Eric O'Brien and uh, Caroline Daly. She said she knew you. She said hello. Um, and because I was said I was having you on, and we were there, and you know, Eric was like, "Hey, I, you know, I started a podcast with Caroline, yada yada yada," and then I, he started playing Nickelback music, and we started like having a conversation. <laughs> so, I love Nickelback. And he said, dude, they, everybody, everybody hates on them, so they suck, blah, 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 blah. But, dude, they have, like, 10 number one hit singles. They have amazing oh. music. They've been in a bunch of movies. And so we looked this up, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, a legitimate, like, debate. Because I, I know Nickelback gets such heat. And, like, so many people said, oh, they, they suck. They're the worst. But it's like, well, what's the reasoning? And I'll, if Nickelback pops on, I'll just I'll start singing in the car, get going. Um, so that's What's that's, your that's, favorite Nickelback song? <laughs> Rockstar, probably. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, the other ones I don't know the names. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just hear it, you're like, oh, Nickelback. Nickelback. Yeah, exactly. They they came out with a new song or a new album, I think, on the 14th. I didn't really check into it, but I will. Um, yeah. Another question. Well, now it's COVID, so this this number is kind of. Uh, but Uber rating. Like, what do you mean? Like, what's your like, what's your actual Uber rating? On a, like, if I gave myself, if I for driving. No, no, no. Like on the actual app. Like, what's the. Like, oh, dude, I got a confession, man. I don't even have Uber on my phone. <laughs> it doesn't like, even need it. Like, well, because my life's different, right? Like, I, yeah, I, live, yeah. I live in the sticks and, and um, you know, I don't really Uber around. Like, if I'm going to have a drink or two, then somebody else usually gets the Uber. Yeah, and no, smart of, move. How Six much was it? I'll pay you, whatever, you know? I had like, I had like the, uh, I think like a four point something. There's people give me bad reviews. I'm like, I, I talk to people. I ask like, Hey, how's life going? Like what, you know, what do you do for work? Wait, outside so of Uber this? can review you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's say I, th- like, I didn't do this, but let's say I threw up in an Uber sarcastically. Uh, like they can like rate you or I don't know. You know, like if you're like, I don't really know. I mean, every Uber I've ever been in, I always say, Hey, how's everything going? Like, you know, I ask good questions. I should interview Maybe some them. people just get annoyed. They're like, yeah, shut up, dude. I'm driving you. I'm like, and I'm right. getting paid for it, and I don't really want because I've I've gone in some Ubers that people are on their phones. Yeah, I'm like, dude, what? I don't. They're, care. The fo- like, they're on the phone. I'm, I'm like, what are you? I'm probably on my phone too, playing around. This so is taking a phone call. Just sit in the back. I'll get you where you need to go. I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, there you go, buddy. Like, you know, we gotta get there. Um, yeah. Favorite movie? Can I give you two? Yeah, you can give me two. That's fine. All right. So, like, the old school in me is Rudy. Um, oh, yep. Yeah, you know, the Notre Dame football story. I mean, you know, great. But one of my guilty pleasures is the movie that when I see it on all – it's on Showtime a lot lately – is The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Love Smith. that movie. Yeah, it, it gets me. It's Because uh, it's a true story, man, and it's suffering and him taking care of his son. And 
oh my god it, it, it sucks I me cry. every single time dude yeah. during the scene in the, the basketball court i cried oh when he tells us oh. like son to basically don't play hoop and then he's like realizes what he did and oh god or or just like when he finally gets the job at yep. the end of the movie and dude like every single time the same feeling comes over me like Chills. this guy went through hell and he survived and he did all this living in homeless shelters and trying to figure out for, and getting like oh my god dude oh my god and the guy Crazy. borrows his last i think it was 10 bucks i believe it was like what x amount of money the boss of the company and then when he finally gets the job he gives the money back but that was oh, the money great scene, man yeah that's i'll tell you i well up every time and then he goes oh, and gets his son and just hugs him as a dad i appreciate that scene so much more yeah. when i watched it before you know yeah um favorite tv show oh of all time sopranos definitely. okay classic yeah, yeah. classic another remaking yeah. that with um his actual son yeah i think it's when he's like a younger kid so i, I don't know when that's coming out because i don't know how the production process now goes with the actors but um yeah yeah speaking of favorite actor i mean it, it's got to be brad pitt you know i think brad pitt for a while i wasn't you know if you asked me a question 10 years ago maybe yeah but he got <laughs> me he got me a money ball and i feel like the movie she's oh, made man. after that i think he's just I like World War Z. I love the man. Like I just, I, I think, I think he's great. I think he's great. All right, and then uh, what's your favorite song or band? Well, I guess combo of it. Okay, favorite song. I'm actually curious. Um, I mean, it's to me. It this song to me is a definition, of, and I actually refer to this person in my favorite movie. But it's "Summertime" by Will Smith. I think that song. Oh, oh, oh. Is, the song was made in 1989. That song is still played on the radio every summer. That song, when people hear it, everybody knows the words, or, or at least certain verses, right? And um, I don't know, when I hear that song, I, it just makes me think of summer, relaxing, and like stress-free for three and a half minutes when I listen to that song. I actually have the, I was cleaning my room the other day, and I actually have the album, which I think was Do from you Michael. Really? Yeah, the CD, it's, it's him and uh, Jazzy oh. Jeff. Like, um, I, don't know, I wish I had it on me. Um, but yeah, I have that still, so. Yeah, I just think, you know, and, I, and I'm a huge fan of him, you know, at Baseline. So I, that song, just every time I hear it, it is just like, and people know it when they hear the song, like, oh, Anthony loves this song. Will it's Smith just, like, just yeah. yeah. It's like Weekend and Bernie's, like when the music <laughs> turns on, he started like, it's, whenever I hear that song, whatever I'm doing, I just drop everything. And I'm just like, <laughs> think I'm a rapper, like rapping the song. <laughs> I love, uh, no, I, I, no that, his, that actually album was a really good album. Like a really, the whole album itself was just like yeah. just relaxing, good vibes. He doesn't swear, man. Like his first two or three albums, like Nothing. he made bangers, like like Miami or getting jiggy with it, right? Oh, and Miami, the songs that, you know, they were hits, and there was no bad language. Like that was, yeah. It was I feel like now, I, I do feel like now, music is not nearly as good as it once was. I just feel like every song is talk about like just it's it just like explicit. I mean, there's like thirty swears. Yeah, I think it's a type of, it, you know, it's different a, music. Nowadays, artists are so different. Like some artists, like I feel yeah. like express who they are and tell their story while others try to make catchy two yeah. songs that, that kind of make bang. Wappen Gundam Star. I mean, right. What other song has that guy made? <laughs> I, I couldn't even take an educated guess of another name of his song. Nothing. I could. <laughs> you know, like I really couldn't. I could walk by him down the street. I would have Not a clue. Wap but if I hear that song, I know exactly what to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's always huge. Yeah. 
this question is a good one. And I actually see Tom Brady in the corner in the back. What do you think about Tom joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I can't even say it correctly. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bronky. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, dude. Like, Tom Brady does no wrong. I think, you know, he's in a situation that he's – personally, I think he's kind of branded himself over the, of life after football. And I think trying to expand his brand and going to play some on some young, you know, young and I guess you could call it up-and-coming team. I mean, defensively, they're poor. But – you know, offensively, he has a chance to have some weapons around him, and at his age, to still show he's got it. I mean, the guys, the guys, always out to prove, and and I have no, you know, as a Patriot fan, I wish he was still here. It's, it's going to be weird to see him wearing a different uniform and playing for a different team. But um, as far as a competitor, I mean, there's no one. I mean, maybe argue Jordan or Ali, but outside of that, like I wouldn't say there's too many sports figures bigger than him. So to me, he can do whatever he wants. I have no problem with it. I'll still root for him. Stop. If he faces the Patriots in the Super Bowl, like I got to root against them. Like, but yeah. you know, other than that, I, I am going to be one of his biggest cheerleaders and I, and I hope he does really, really well. The funniest thing is once he signed, like, you know, he's now he has Instagram. So he's had like videos of him and the family just on the jet skis, relaxing, killing it. Absolutely killing it right now. He's just like, yeah, I mean, dude. Jeter's house. Yeah, I mean, and let's Derek be Jeter's real. Here. Like, this dude needs to be living in Florida. Needs he it. doesn't need to be up here for the winter no. and blizzards. And this guy <laughs> needs to be living down here. He's he's beautiful. His wife's beautiful. Just His kids are beautiful. Exotic looking people. all the time. And then Gronky's coming. To, Gronky just joins right. in. I mean, he oh. should be in Florida. You know, Edelman will be there probably next year. You know, like. <laughs> Just yeah, like, it's dude, those guys are getting yeah, the band they, back together. That's just what's gonna happen. So now these get a little tougher. So, what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? Um, as far as what, just anything, I guess. Yeah, just I mean, any like, what's one thing like you think about, like, oh, yeah, I wish I knew that, or like, I you know, simple answer would be what I know now. Right. Yeah. Like what, what I know now, as far as being an educator or being a coach and being a parent, um, I wish I, I, I knew that stuff because I think I was so naive about a lot of things. And as I got older and more mature, I, I figured things out. So I guess what I know now is wish I knew when I started yeah. anything I did. All right. Well, this one, uh, what's your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Oh, I mean, I think I exposed myself when yeah. I failed my teacher's test 11, 11 times. 11, baby. So, what I learned from it was that I had a lot of, I had a lot of perseverance and I had a lot of drive because I mean, one through 10, I could have quit at any point and I did it. And you know, I, there were times like you have to get a 70 to pass that test. Right. And I got a 69 twice in a row, dude, twice in a row. So you, you could get it via email on a Friday night or you would get your results Saturday in the mail. Oh. So my thought always was, because I started failing these tests and I realized I wasn't passing them, that, you know, and I was young, I was like 22, 23, that I'd rather go out on a Friday night and enjoy myself and then wake up Saturday morning and see if I pass the test, then find out Friday night if I yeah. failed the test. Yeah, because it ruins the weekend. My whole weekend, right? So like, at least I got a night out of it. And, <laughs> And, um, but I learned a lot from that because I felt like at the time I was permanent subbing in the building that I'm currently in. And a lot of people knew what was going on with me. Uh. So it definitely, what I learned from it was after that, I just didn't want to think, oh, he finally got a job. He got a job out of sympathy because he finally passed and we're all happy for him. 
I wanted them to be like, oh, wow, he's really good at what he does. And too bad it took him this long to get here because he could have been working here a few years ago having an effect, right? So that was what I learned, like, you know, that from failing that test, it just kind of drove me. Like, I didn't want people to think I was a dummy. I didn't want people to think that I couldn't do the job and that I might have been like a sympathy hire at that point. I, 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 was, I was out to show people that I was a really good teacher, period. Not that I was better than anybody else, but I was better than what they expected I would be. Yeah. All right. What, what are the best resources that helped you on the way? Like, honestly, again, I'll kind of refer to this story is the people that I met along the way, um, that, that really helped me, you know, just so many people I can name. Gee, man. Um, but I just felt like I learned a lot from, you know, the person I did my student teaching with. And, you know, now they're, they, they're up in an administrative uh, assistant superintendent position who, you know, I think they're, they're great for. And, you know, phys ed teacher who I was permanent subbing with at the time, I mean, one of them, you know, retired shortly after that. One of them became an athletic director. The other one became the head of um, part, you know, recreation in the city of Somerville. So like these people all moved to great positions and I was lucky enough to be with them and like pick their knowledge and like understand what happens and what goes on in a classroom, in a school, um, in a city or town and understand maybe the politics that's involved a little bit and just really got a grasp of understanding like how I could be really good at my job and to think of a lot of different things that I didn't learn about in a college classroom or I wouldn't have learned about sitting in a you know online class with a professor that like I learned hands-on making 50 bucks a day while all my friends had these really cool jobs and living on their own and like 50 bucks a day dude that's $250 a week you know like, that's the taxes that's yeah and that's before taxes dude that's before taxes. <laughs> yeah so like I wasn't in a good place, but at the time, like I was getting such a great education mm. outside of the classroom that I would have never gotten if I started teaching day one out of college. So um, that's what I would say, man. I guess when this one, it kind of goes hand in hand, but like, who's the most influential person in your life? Period. My dad. I mean, legend, dude, I, legend. I mean, if you want a Hawaiian chicken, that's what I was just about to say. Look no further than. <laughs> Best Hawaiian hours. chicken, period. Yeah. Um, Good cornhole you know, I, partner too, Farouk. <laughs> yeah, great cornhole partner. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Just out you the know, gate swinging. My dad, um, you know, it was funny. My dad retired. Uh, he's a retired electrician. I retired, I want to say maybe seven or eight years ago. I might be a little off. But when he retired, you know, my, my brother and I, we, we spoke at it. And the one thing that I, I really remember about my dad growing up is like, dude, my dad woke up for like every hockey practice, every football practice, had a drive here, had a drive there, work Saturday overtimes. And he never called in sick. Like I couldn't tell you a time that my dad, like I was getting ready for school and my dad was home sick in bed, like taking the day off from work because he wasn't feeling. Didn't well. happen that didn't exist. And I really thought about it when I was writing his speech. And I'm like, I don't remember my father ever taking a sick day. And, you know, he was on the train at 530 in the morning heading to Boston. So he's waking up at our house, you know, five o'clock in the morning and, and going to work, and, you know, in the winter, it's freezing waiting at Wellington when it's outdoors, and you, you know, it's you're shivering. And just at the time, you're a kid, you don't realize that. But as you get older, like, I always look at that about my dad and I think that's what I get from my dad the most is kind of his work ethic. Like I just, 
I see yeah. my, I saw my dad do it and never complain about it. And, and I do the same thing. I don't complain just about it. Just show up. Then I show up, do your job and just keep going, you know, grow and grow every day. You know, what's yeah. one thing we didn't even talk about. And like, I, I kind of ended on this because I just yeah. say best memory. So little, little, little background here. So uh, the owner of straight, well, the previous owner of Strega strip, so well, strip by Strega, sorry, had a grand opening in Boston. I you can't even tell the location here. And yeah. so you know, we, you know, my father and Nick are good friends. And dad was like, all right, like, you know, I think it was like, whatever, how many tickets we had. And I said, oh my God, you got to get Anthony and, I, and Jonathan Pyres as well. That was the greatest, greatest night ever. Oh so my God. A little background on it even more. It was, I mean, I, what, a thousand people? I mean, at least a thousand. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was <laughs> a thousand people, but some people that you're not typically in, involved with, like, meaning like, See, they're too famous for you, you know, and me. Maybe not you. Maybe not you, but definitely too famous for me. Definitely too famous for me. <laughs> the funniest thing was like, oh my god, who's that? Because I, I wouldn't even know like who the players are, and that's my fault. But like Anthony, like, hey, that's you know X, Y, and Z. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, let's let's go take a picture with him. I sniped we Patrick Chung. I saw Patrick yep. Chung, and I was like, dude, that's Patrick Chung. I was a huge fan of him out of Oregon. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, Pat, do you mind if we take a photo? With you? Yeah, all right, cool, cool. And then the governor, Mr. Charlie Baker, like he was there. Took, took a, a photo selfie with him. With him. And he wasn't the governor at the time, and you took a selfie with him. Just was like, listen, let's take that. a selfie. Well, he played yeah. basketball with my – no, they didn't play like growing up. Uh, there was like a, a maybe a two-on uh, – three-on-three uh, tournament. My dad played on uh, Charlie's team. And so that's why I was like, hey, you mind – How that team do? How do they do? I don't – I I don't know how it's, that what, what type of player is Sammy in basketball? <laughs> <laughs> we take like a defender a three-point shooter you don't know I just mean, like me just a three-point specialist <laughs> i mean baker seems like put him under the rim feed him the ball yeah. and he's gonna be taller than most Defensive people beast. like that yeah sammy probably passed like a three-point shooter just pretty much all i can do same thing when we play basketball just the same just go to three-point line and wait for the ball <laughs> dude i i listen i think your dad's the man so, oh, legend. so uh, he does no wrong he does no wrong and the funniest thing also about that night, Jamie Foxx was there, Mary J. Blige. Uh, what's that? Uh, the box. What's Bill the Belichick box? Bill Belichick was there. Bill Belichick Bill, was there. Bill, Bill said hi to us really quickly. He didn't want to be on camera, which I totally respect, but he's like, you know, hit me up sometime. I'm in Nantucket. I don't actually even, don't even go to Nantucket, but I think he has like a few houses, but he's like, yeah, we, we, we didn't say hi to him. He was yeah. in and out. Yeah. Um, and then who else? So we, you know what? Jamie Foxx was on stage. and We got a few selfies with that. Yes. Then, yeah, we got a, we got a quite a few pictures with him actually, and um, the best part about that night was, and I try to explain this to people, and you might be able to explain it better, is when you showed up and they like everything was free, right? So <laughs> on top of it, everything's free, okay? And we walk in and there's like David Ortiz, yeah, and Vinny Paziani. Remember the guy, the boss, <laughs> Vinny Paziani, right? Pizzi. Like. Pizzi. Uh, Steve Levy from SportsCenter, Mary J. Bly, Patrick Chung. Um, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Just Charlie Baker, we said. Grandpa was um, there, yep. Yeah, Grandpa. Your Grandpa was there. <laughs> the Milkman, I think, was there. And, he was in and, attendance. <laughs> and so, and so um, there was these girls, and they were wearing – these huge metal contraptions. They oh, were like, the, 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 picture those like, those like snow white dresses or like those Disney princess dresses that are like, the, they look like a big giant umbrella kind of like when they open up. <laughs> it, these girls were wearing those, but on there, it was just all metal and it was just champagne glasses. 
and they must have been walking around with like 500 champagne glasses attached to them. And they were just walking like really casual, slow. Just, just so casual. Taking glasses <laughs> and just taking them off of them. It, it was like, I've never seen anything like it in my life. And here I am walking by David Ortiz, like, hey, Dave. Oh, like Poppy. And I'm like, look at this hey, giant contraption with 500 <laughs> glasses of champagne. Like, <laughs> I one of the best. That was one of the best nights, man. You walked out of there feeling really famous, like you were. And so wait a minute, Aunt, you, we were actually so. I think near the end of the no, at some point of the night, Fruity got us over, and um, we took a we took a picture of. I mean, I don't know. It was like six of us in the picture. We were we were actually at a very long time. We were on TV on a, yes. Uh, Monday night football, Sunday. I mean, all, I mean Thursday I night, Sunday night. Oh yeah, yes, I paused it. Not a big deal. Just, yeah, we oh were on God. that, you know, and um, yeah, I do to this day. I still see it on TV, just, and I always he has a new. There's a new commercial though that I think is kind of taken over that commercial. Is it that the one sauce? But I still have a picture and video of it, so like it happened. From time happened. to time, like people are like, hey, like can you can you sign this? I'm like, yeah, like not whatever you need whatever you need yeah. we were yeah we, people would send me like you know videos and stuff like that I'm like yeah i'm on tv like how did you get don't don't worry about it come on like don't ask questions like that like the silly yeah. question you know you know and, and speaking of commercials you know here's here's a funny so believe it or not it's actually my second commercial in my career my my life i was on a commercial previously now i think it only made television maybe once maybe they might have cut it off halfway through because it was that bad. But it was a Chunky's Campbell soup commercial. What? And yeah, in which, in which, you know, I forgot how it got set up, but I got asked to go to Northeastern. And it was me and a couple kids I played with. I was maybe like 10, 11 years old, played hockey with. And we did a commercial with Adam Oates. And I think Chunky's Campbell's Soup was uh, a pretty big sponsor of the NHL at that time. And, and um, yeah, because I think like one of the divisions was called like the Campbell Division or something. Like I don't think it was because of the soup, but same name, whatever. But, um, and, and so we did a commercial with him. And, and I'll never forget this, dude. Like, you know, Oates is, you know, Adam Oates at the time was considered one of the better, like, assist men in hockey. Pretty good solid center, won a ton of face-offs, all that. And he was like shooting around with us in passing, you know, like 10, 11 year old kids were like, Ooh, Adam Oates, bro, you know? And <laughs> Adam Oates, like we, we were saying, like taking shots from like the red line and Adam Oates clanked one off the post and hit me right like <laughs> where my shin pad is, like almost kind of like where my calf, it like clanked off the post and hit me in the back of the calf. You would have thought someone sniped me from the top, uh, like the top seats of, of the stadium. Like I went down and like grabbed my leg, had this like huge bruise in the back of my leg. And this guy basically took me out of the commercial, you know, because I couldn't skate, dude. I was like 10 years oh. old, 75 pounds. And I, I got a rubber puck revolved off my foot. Like I was out of the commercial. So there was a little part that I got the stick handle that they, they <laughs> caught and made the commercial. But other than that, I was on the PUP list uh, until, <laughs> until the Strager commercials, you know? <laughs> oh, you, you have to find that commercial at some point. You need to find it. It's on VHS somewhere. Oh. I'm sure I'm sure I could find it if I Adam really... Oates probably has it in his house somewhere. Yeah, like he probably tells a story about how he basically took my leg off. <laughs> And brags about it, like, oh, do this commercial, blasted this 10 year old kid. <laughs> you know? Um, so, Adam, if you ever listen to the Johnny Hotchlock show, dude, I'm the person you, you, yes, ruined my career. <laughs> <laughs> 
Adam, please send it in. Like we need the VHS. We need to see it. We need to get it out to the people. People want to see it. Yes. Um, yes. Well, this has been awesome, man. I'm so happy to have you. The first podcast. Um, this has been awesome. And oh, wait, 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 we didn't even talk about the biggest thing. So Anthony, talk about your podcast. Let's showcase. Yeah, it. So I mean, you know, first of all, before I even talk about mine, uh, dude, I think this is such a great idea for you. And we've been friends for a really long time and we've done some funny stuff together. And um, <laughs> I always enjoy you. I feel like sometimes we lose touch and we regain touch and we just pick up right from where pick we left up, off baby. and we just laugh and have a great time. So I, I'm honored first to be your, you. your first, um, your first guest. And yeah, so I'm launching my own podcast. It's something that I've been pursuing um, for the last couple of months and really researching to do. And uh, it's going to, it's, it's called beyond the X's and O's. It's a, uh, you know, coming from a coach's perspective, um, you know, I'm going to be interviewing a lot of football coaches uh, and, and various coaches from high school sports all across the state. And um, we're going to talk about, you know, what goes into building a program. I think being a teacher, you know, a lot of teachers I know are coaches. And I think that both of those avenues help you to be so much better at your other job. And, you know, being a football coach, and being a head coach, you know, what goes into a program and development of your players as young teenagers. And, you know, I took that role really seriously of being a good influence and being um, someone who's a positive influence who gives you tough love and, you know, really tries to prepare you. Because to me, sports at, at a high school level prepares young men to become, you know, um, men. And, and your coach can have such an influence on that and teach you work ethic. And a lot of times I, I hope that I'm just – supporting and, and reinforcing what families want for their children to begin with and to be a good role model to make good decisions to uh, work as hard as they possibly can and those skills I mean you know dude you're working hard to get where you at right now you worked hard in school and you worked hard to get you to get where you are as of I so I know that that's a big eye opener and I know that that is um, what makes a young man a young man and and it's important that if I can have any effect in that so if I had that, I know that there's coaches out there who've done it for a lot longer than me, who've been a great influence, that's still in touch with players today, that built programs that have set them up for the next part of their life in college or in the workforce or the workplace and or even the military. And and um, it, it, it to me, it's an interesting perspective to get out there and for people to see how influential sports can be and how it can change lives of kids, not just from a financial standpoint, but also just from a work ethic growing up, understanding who you are and developing yourself as a person. I think that we hold a huge key to that. And I think it's important for these coaches to be heard and for people to realize the work that goes into a sport, not necessarily just during the season, but when the season's over. I mean, for football, it's coaching conferences and clinics and going to spring practices of different colleges in the area and joining seven on seven leagues and getting your players to to go show up consistently, to get them to work out in the off season, to, you know, breaking down film and, and, and sending clips to them to, you know, preparing and getting ready for a season and figuring out who you are and your identity and getting your kids to buy into it and believe it. It's not easy in any sport. It's not easy. And I think it takes special people, both men and women that uh, dedicate themselves to it and you marry it. You know, it's, just, you don't make a lot of money doing it, but, it's the funnest thing you do. So I just, you know, I, I felt it was really important to get out there and I'm able to get my story out there. And I know there's a lot more stories out there that, that should be heard and that I think can influence uh, uh, people in a lot of positive ways. 
I'm excited for it. I, I know I, I just I know you're like really dedicated as a coach and like all the years you've been coaching. So I'm just excited. I'm pumped that we're both doing podcasts. Like this is like yeah, yeah. I feel like you and I didn't even discuss this, right? Like didn't one day you kind of hit me up about it. I was like, dude, that's so weird because I'm actually kind of doing this too. <laughs> and um, you know, and 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 those who don't know, like since I've had twins, I'm also the worst person to get in touch with. So, um, John, I, I give him a lot of credit, always stays in touch with me and, and updates me with his life. And, uh, <laughs> so I'm glad we're able to reconnect. And, you know, I, you kept telling me the fans were asking for the milkman. And, um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I said, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I had to get him on the first one. Had to. <laughs> and it was like, you know, it was just so funny. I called him. I said, Hey, I'm starting a podcast. I, and I was like, I've been frustrating because it's so confusing how to literally just record a podcast and everyone, everyone says eight different things. And I finally figured out it's on zoom. So if anyone needs to know how to make a podcast, just call me, I'll help you. And then Anthony's like, well, Oh wait, I'm actually doing one too. I said, no way. What are the odds? I thought he was yeah, messing with me. Yeah. And uh, so really pumped. They were both doing it. It's like at the same time. And so um, what I'll do is I'll showcase your like, once you get going, I know he's going to have Instagram. I'll, I'll, I'll blast his uh, podcast on my social media, get that thing going and uh, yeah, just stay yeah, tuned for called, that. It's called beyond, beyond the X's and O's and we'll be launching in about three weeks right now. We, uh, we have a lot of guests lined up. I have some, you know, high school hall of fame coaches that are going to be starting out early on. I have a few coaches um, that I know that build programs from the ground up and started at their schools and, you know, to kind of see the work that goes into that, um, you know, some coaches that have won, you know, division, whatever coach of the year. So we definitely have some really good guests early on and I'm very excited to get these people on here and to really get their stories out. I mean, I could tell you an influential factor that all these people that I've had, have had in my life. And um, it's important that I think their, their stories heard as well. That's all. I can't, I can't wait to hear it. Um, I, Bill Belichick is probably going to make an appearance. Let's just be honest about it. I mean, probably not. I mean, I listen, <laughs> the there's no, there's no other guy I have respect for, but what kind of podcast would we have? We're on to yeah. Seattle. Yeah. So Bill, can you, can you tell me about, you know, your game planning this week? And it's like, they're a pretty good team and uh, team. You know, we're going to prepare really hard for them. I and go. then that's going to be right. it. I'm like, yeah. Dude, it's going to be it's a very short sentences. Uh, on to the next one. Thanks. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this has been awesome. So I'll definitely share his socials. Once things get going, pop that on my social and, uh, no, this has been awesome having you. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what people think about this. This is awesome. So thank you yeah. so much for coming on today. Oh, yeah.